Hi, everyone. It's great to see you. We're going to be in uh, Genesis 32 this morning, if you want to follow along. Before we get to Genesis 32, I want to tell you, um, yesterday, my family and I went to Lake Lagunitas, and we had a great time at Lake Lagunitas. Three of our kids got wet at Lake Lagunitas. Our 16-month-old baby was almost fully immersed in the water. She wanted to get in so badly. But uh, I don't tell you this to tell you about my kids getting wet. I tell you this because of who we got to see at Lake Lagunitas. We got to see a family who we dearly love, a family who used to be a part of our community, who made the long, treacherous journey to the Northeast and have suffered through winter there. It's still snowing there, and they have come back to visit, and it's Lynn and Amy Challenger. And so we got to spend the day with them yesterday, and you all can spend time with them today if you like, because Jim and Christine Lenahan are hosting a potluck for them following the service, and if you need an address or directions, we have them at the back. It was Jim's one task he had to accomplish today. Show up at Bamerin, put their address down on the table in the back. So you pick the address up and meet us at the potluck and enjoy the presence of Lynn and Amy and their kids. So with that, we are going through a series called Becoming Whole, because we're all becoming something, aren't we? We're all on a journey of becoming. We're either becoming more whole or less whole. We're either living more into our true self, more into who God created us to be, or we are living more into a false self. And as we've talked about, that when we try to become the true self with the help of the false self, we only create a better disguised false self. We only create a better disguised ego. And so the desire, the longing, the deep longing within all of us is live into our true self created in Christ Jesus. And so one of the stories we've been looking at a few weeks ago that we looked at as we talk about becoming whole is Jacob's story. And we looked at how Jacob, the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, who had received a blessing from God in order to bless all nations, this blessing was handed down to Isaac, and this blessing Isaac intended to hand down to Esau, who was the twin brother of Jacob. And Jacob came out of the womb right after Esau, grasping Esau's heel. This is what Jacob's name means, heel grasper, heel catcher, one who is a supplanter. And true to his name, he lied and deceived his father into getting the blessing. And so Jacob is a liar, a cheat, a deceiver, a manipulator, and now he's on the run. Why is he on the run? Because Esau wants to kill him. Esau wants to kill him. And so Jacob takes off, running away, far away, to where his father-in-law lives, where Laban lives. And he is journeying there, and he stops to camp, falls asleep, and he has this dream where he sees this staircase to heaven, angels ascending and descending on this staircase, And God shows up, 
to Jacob. And he says, despite the fact that you have lied, despite the fact that you have deceived, despite the fact you're a manipulator, despite the fact you're on the run, I am with you. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, who you are, God is present. And this is what God says to Jacob. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I'm with you. I'll watch over you. I'll bring you back. So Jacob responds to that by saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I can return safely to my father's household. Interesting addition to God's promise. Safety. Uh, Then the Lord will be my God. So what is Jacob's relationship with God like? God's revealed himself to Jacob in a dream, spoken to him, given him a vision, and Jacob says, if, then. If, then. This is the relationship, the agreement Jacob has with God. Okay, if you do this, then you will be my God. In this, we talked about God's promise. Next slide. God promises presence in the midst of powerlessness, protection in our poverty, and a place in a world of displacement. Jacob is on the run. He realizes he's lost control of his life. He's powerless, and God says, I am present to you. Jacob's on the run, and all he has is a staff and the clothes on his back, and God says, I'll protect you in your poverty. I'll give you just enough for today, and you'll make it. And then God promises to bring him back. I will give you a place. And so Jacob goes, stays with his father-in-law Laban, sees a girl he likes, Rachel, says to Laban, I'll work for you for seven years if you let me marry Rachel. Okay, it's a deal. Seven years later, wedding ceremony, veil covering the woman's face. Jacob wakes up the next morning and... It's Rachel's sister, Leah, who's been deceived now, who's been lied to now. Jacob is angry, and he goes to Laban and says, you lied to me, you cheated, and uh, Laban said, hey, I don't know how it works where you come from, but where we come from, the oldest gets married first, so there you go. But in a week, you can marry Rachel, but you'll have to work for me seven more years, Have we mentioned that this family has some issues? (laughs) So he marries Rachel. He works seven more years. He's worked for Laban uh, 14 years. And then he works an additional six years. And then he starts the journey back home. It's been 20 years. He's heading back home. But there's a problem. Who's back home? Esau. It's been 20 years. How's Esau going to react to me? What will Esau do when he sees me? What's going to happen? The last time I saw Esau, there was a fire in his eyes and hatred on his face, and he had murderous intents. And so we find Jacob in Genesis 32, in verse 3. This is what he does to prepare to meet Esau. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. 
he instructed them, This is what you are to say to my Lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, male and female servants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. What is Jacob doing? He's hoping he can impress Esau with the wealth he's accumulated. He's hoping he can find favor in Esau's eyes. But there's something else he's doing which is huge. When Jacob stole the blessing from Esau, when he deceived his father Isaac, this is what Isaac said in the blessing. Isaac said to Jacob, may you be Lord over your brothers. And then after Isaac realized he had been deceived, after Esau realized that the blessing had been stolen from him, Esau goes to his father and he says, bless me too, please. And Isaac said, there's really not much left. You will serve your brother. He says to Jacob, you will be Lord over your brothers. He says to Esau, you will serve your brother. What does Jacob do? In Genesis 32, he reverses the language of the blessing. It seems something is happening in Jacob's heart towards his brother Esau. Perhaps some level of desire to reconcile. And he flips the language of the blessing. And he says, my Lord Esau, I am your servant. I am your servant. Verse 6, when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. If you're Jacob, what are you feeling right now? Yeah. Oh, man. It's been 20 years, but he remembers well. I lied, I cheated, I manipulated, and I stole the blessing. And now he is going to pay me back. He's coming with 400 men. And so Jacob devises a plan. Beginning of his plan starts with great fear. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. And so he's, he's calculating and he's devising a plan. Okay, if he comes and attacks, perhaps at least half of us can get away. How are we going to work this out? And then he thinks, maybe I should pray. So he launches into a prayer, the longest prayer recorded in the book of Genesis. Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers and with their children. How many of you have prayed a prayer like this? I am unworthy, save me. 
help. Uh, I think we all have, right? I mean, uh, Jacob is reverting back to just survival mode and just, okay, God, save me. Please save me from the hand of Esau. And then he goes back to strategizing and planning. Verse 13, he spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift from, for his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, and 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself, and said to his servants, go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead, when my brother Esau meets you and asks, who do you belong to and where are you going and who owns all these animals in front of you, then you are to say, they belong to who? To your servant, Jacob. They are a gift sent to my Lord, Esau, and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second and third And all the others who followed the herds, you are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say your servant, Jacob, is coming behind us. It's funny, yeah. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead later. When I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself, himself spent the night in the camp. And so Jacob is sending all these gifts ahead of him to his brother. What's he doing? Trying to bribe him, trying to pay him off, trying to pacify him. Okay, if I give him enough of my wealth, maybe then he'll forgive me. Maybe then he'll let it go. Uh, Let me ask you, how many of us are trying to pay someone off? How many of us have wronged someone or done something that ticked someone else off, and so everything we do towards that person or around that person is tiptoe and try to pacify, try to make things right? Or differently, how many of us are trying to make someone pay? You wronged me. You did such and such to me, and you will pay. By the way we talk to them, or by the way we act around them, or by the way we ignore them, give them the cold shoulder, you will pay. Jacob is trying to pay off a debt that he cannot pay off. He's simply trying to pacify Esau in this moment in hopes that Esau will forgive him, in hopes that Esau will let this go. See, Jacob sends all these messengers, all this cattle ahead of him, but he knows he has to face Esau. He has to come to the place of facing Esau. What he does not know yet is that before he can face Esau, he must face God. Before he can face Esau, he must face God. And so Jacob sends everyone ahead of him. Verse 22, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives 
his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. So Jacob sends everything across, all his family, all his servants, all his possessions, all his cattle, and he's left alone to wrestle with his own thoughts, his own life, his own reality. And a man wrestles with him till daybreak. Who is this man? When the man saw he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Now, uh, the Hebrew there for hip, some, some say it's the, uh, the thigh. Others say that the Hebrew really indicates that what happened here is uh, Jacob's vital organs were struck. Uh, he was struck at his very manhood. Uh, this man kicked him in the... Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. There is our first hint as to who this man is. Most scholars believe it was God that was wrestling with Jacob. Some say it's an angel. Seems from the text that God... uh, God was wrestling with Jacob. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. And so, the four... Jacob can face Esau. He must face God. What is Jacob's relationship like with God then? If, then. If, then. And God shows up and says, that's not the kind of God I am. That's not the kind of relationship I desire. See, In the ancient Near East, in Jacob's world, most people's idea of God is we must pacify God like Jacob is trying to do to Esau. We must appease God because the gods are angry, the gods are out to get us, and unless we give them enough, unless we pacify them enough, unless we sacrifice enough, unless we appease them enough, they are out to get us. And God says, that is not the kind of God. I am. Uh, This is a strange story, a strange text, and it should raise some questions for us. A couple questions. What what kind of man can overcome God? What kind of God allows a man to be the overcomer? I would simply say this is no ordinary God. That our God is no ordinary God. He meets us where we're at, at a relational level. This is part of what God was trying to show Jacob in the dream with the stairway to heaven, is that heaven is not some distant, far-off realm, but heaven and earth 
are connected. And Jesus comes to reveal to us this close, present, and personal God. And this God, somehow in human form, wrestles with Jacob and strikes Jacob. And yet, Jacob still holds on. And I think at this point in the story, it's not that God couldn't get away from him. It is Jacob is living into his name. He is grasping. He, he is the same Jacob who was holding on to Esau's heel. He is grasping, and he says, please, he's begging God, just bless me. Give me a blessing. Let me know that I don't have to appease you. Let me know that I have your blessing, your favor. Will you just bless me? And so God says, what is your name? Do you think he doesn't know? What is your name? So Jacob means heel catcher, supplanter, trickster, overreacher. What is your name? And Jacob replies, my name is trickster. My name is grasper. My name is supplanter. My name is overreacher. Hi, I'm overreacher. Nice to meet you. What's your name? That's who I am. And God says, not anymore. You will no longer be overreacher. You will no longer be supplanter. You will no longer be trickster. You will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Now, the name Israel is debated. We're uncertain exactly what it means. The etymology is disputed. El, everyone agrees, means God. Uh, Israel, some say it means to struggle. Rules, preserves, so God rules, God preserves, or God struggles, or one who struggles with God. Whatever the case, what we know is that in this moment, God says to Jacob, you are not that. You are this. You are no longer to define yourself as one who is a supplanter, an overreacher, a deceiver, a trickster. You have a new name and a new identity. A new name and a new identity. Uh, the scholar Walter Brueggemann says, says this, Israel is not formed by success or shrewdness or treachery or deceit or land but by wrestling with God. How does formation happen? How does change happen in our lives? By wrestling with God. Usually over issues of deep pain, confusion, identity confusion, not knowing who we truly are. And we have to wrestle with God. God 
is not afraid to wrestle. The tiptoeing we do towards those who we feel like we have to pay off, we often do that with God, don't we? We feel like we owe God, and we do. We owe God our lives. Can we pay it off? Absolutely not. God desires honesty. God desires transparency. God desires for us to struggle with him, to wrestle with God, to uncover who we truly are in God. God's not afraid of our honesty. Just read through the Psalms. Watch how David sometimes shouts at God. God's not afraid of our honesty. He desires it. And he's willing to wrestle with us. See, Jacob must face Esau, but before he could face Esau, he had to face God. And the text says, I I saw God's face and I lived. The sun was about to come up. Dawn was breaking. And it's as if Jacob caught a glimpse, not in the full light of day, but caught a glimpse of the face of the man he was wrestling and realized, oh, my goodness. This is no mere mortal. And he begs to be blessed. He longs to be blessed. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. God put Jacob off at first. I won't let you go until you bless me. What is your name? It's Jacob. It's trickster. It's overreacher. Not anymore. That's not who you are. You'll be called Israel from here on out. Well, what's your name? Why do you ask my name? In good rabbinic fashion, God answers a question with a question. And then he blessed him. Here's what I feel is the most powerful piece of this passage. Whatever you take away from it, To me, the power is in Jacob's longing for the blessing of God and God granting it. And here's why. When we look at Jacob's story, he has always been one who wants the blessing. And he got it from his father by lying By cheating, by deceit, he got it. And for 20 years, he's lived with how he got his father's blessing. And it has not satisfied. And I believe Jacob has come to realize what I really wanted when I lied, when I cheated, when I deceived to get the blessing from my father. What I really wanted deep down, what I really longed for 
was the favor of my God, the blessing of my God, for my God to say to me, you are mine, I love you, whatever you've done, wherever you've come from, whoever you are, I am present to you. I am not an if-then God. I am here, I am here, I am here. You are my son. I bless you. For 20 years, Jacob realizes, I wanted the blessing from my father, and I was willing to do whatever it took to get that blessing, and it has not satisfied the deep longing of his soul. The deep longing of his soul was to receive the blessing from God. And God says, you need to face Esau, but you needed to face me first. And you, you have my blessing. I bless you. And Jacob stumbles away with a limp. Sometimes we need to wrestle with God and grasp on to God and ask for his favor, which we already have, by the way. But we need to know it deep in our bones, don't we? And then we walk away from that encounter with a limp. In the same way, Jesus of Nazareth stumbled out of the grave with wounded feet, limping from the grave with victory and the blessing of God for the salvation of the world. Why are we blessed? To be a blessing. We deep in our bones long for the blessing of God, and when we know we have God's blessing, we are then able to be a blessing to the world. Who do you long for a blessing from? Whose favor do you long for? Those longings are are good and right. We should receive blessings from parents, from loved ones, from family, from friends, from the church. But may we know that those blessings, our longing for those blessings, are only a pale reflection of our deepest longing to know deep in our bones that we have the blessing, we have the favor of our God who has revealed himself in Jesus. You have God's blessing. God, thank you that you are a blessing, God. Thank you that you are a God who says, you don't need to earn my favor or my blessing. You don't need to try to 
manipulate or deceive your way into getting it. You already have it. God, thank you that it is sheer gift. It is grace that gives this blessing. God, may we receive it. May we know we are yours. We are your daughters. We are your sons. And we have your favor. We have your blessing. We're going to sing, and as we sing, uh, maybe this morning you need a blessing. Maybe this morning you, you just need to hear the words. You're God's daughter. You're God's son. You have God's blessing. I think that's all of us, personally. I think we all need to hear those words on a regular basis, and I would love the privilege of being able to speak those words over you, so I'm going to stand up here, and as we sing, if you would like to come forward and receive a blessing, please do.